Good morning and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Santa H and I am a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater for today. Today is Thursday, February 25th, 2016. Today we are reading from the big book and we are on page 36, the second paragraph that begins with, suddenly the thought crossed my mind. Today's readers are the 12 steps, Rita T, the 12 traditions, Naomi B, and reading the literature today are Julie R, Terry H, and Rachel N M. The share ID number for yesterday is 8487. 8487. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Rita P. to read the 12 steps. Good morning, everybody. This is Rita P., Compulsive Overeater in Arkansas. The 12 steps. Number one, we admitted we were powerless over food, but our lives had become unmanageable. Number two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Number three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Number four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Number five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Number six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Number seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Number eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Number nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Number 10, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Number 11, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only to the knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Number 12, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you, and I pass. And thank you, Rita P. I will now ask Naomi B. to read the 12 traditions. 
Thank you, Santa. Good morning. Good morning, my fellow visionaries. This is Naomi B., a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater outside Philadelphia. The 12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself and our group conscious, our leaders of a trusted servants they do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeaters who still suffers. Six, an OA group would never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility. Sorry or outside enterprise, leaves problems of money, property, prestige, and divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. A 10. Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issue, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11. Our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, or other public media of communications. 12. Anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you for allowing me to do service and I pure. And thank you, Naomi B. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose remind us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year, and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions and the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today we resume our study of the big book on page 36, the second paragraph beginning with Suddenly, the thought crosses the mind through two paragraphs ending, if only he mixed it with milk. First paragraph for context and comments focus on the second paragraph. I will now ask Julia R. to begin reading. Hi, thank you, Santa. This is Julia R., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in California. Suddenly, the thought crossed my mind that if I were to put an ounce of whiskey in my milk, it couldn't hurt me on a full stomach. I ordered a whiskey and poured it into the milk. I vaguely sensed I was not being any too smart, but felt reassured as I was taking the whiskey on a full stomach. 
The experiment went so well that I ordered another whiskey and poured it into more milk. That didn't seem to bother me, so I tried another. Thus started one more journey to the asylum for Jim. Here was the threat of commitment, the loss of family and position, to say nothing of the intense mental and physical suffering which drinking always caused him. He had much knowledge about himself as an alcoholic, yet all reasons for not drinking were easily pushed aside in favor of the foolish idea that he could take whiskey if only he mixed it with milk. Again, I'm Julie R., recovered compulsive overeater. And I can put my name in there where it says Jim. It could definitely be Julie because I had so much self-knowledge. I mean, how could I not? I had so many times where I had lost weight, gained it, lost weight, gained it, in a way, out of a way. But yet, none of that mattered. None of the knowledge even came to mind when I picked up and thought that I was going to handle it this time. And when it says, yet all reasons for drinking were easily pushed aside, one, morbid obesity, maybe losing my family, death, none of that even mattered. I, I'll deal with it later. This time, it'll be just a short fix, and I'll go on with my day. In the mental and physical anguish that we go through, because, again, I have this twofold illness, and if I am not recovered, I'm going to be battling that cycle. Got to put the food down and run to the steps. And what that does is it frees that obsession. Therefore, I am not going to want the food. So I don't have to be Jim anymore. I can be duly recovered, not cured one day at a time because I will always react like Jim does every single time. It doesn't matter if I have one month or 10 years or 50 years of abstinence. I will always react if I do that, if I pick up any of my foods. So self-knowledge didn't do a thing for me because I thought I was relatively a smart woman. But when it comes to this disease, this disease can outdo anything outside of my creator. So I have to remember that it doesn't matter what I think I know. It's what I need to do today to stay recovered. And that's putting God first, my creator. And for me, I have very clear black and white abstinence. So I don't have to worry about setting up the the cravings by accidentally eating something or ingesting something that's one of my trigger foods. So yes, I can definitely relate to Jim because I, I was Jim and I will be Jim again if I ever choose not to uh, follow this program. And with that, I'll pass. And thank you, Julie R. And who would like to comment for approximately three minutes on that second full paragraph? F.E.K. Reva P. Mary B. Vasa R. I heard Vasa O. And who came in after Vasa? Kathy K. Kathy K. Debbie T. Mary B. Vasa R. Reva P. Okay, who came after Kathy K? Tina. Mark And Lindsay. Wanda okay. I'm going to go with what I have here. I'm sorry if I missed a couple of names, but this is who I have for now. Vasa O, Kathy K, Mary P, Tina S, and Lindsay B. 
Vasa O, good morning to you. Good morning, Santa, and good morning, every one of you. I am a grateful, recovered, compulsive reader calling from uh, Florida. And uh, I, yes, I can relate so much with Jim. I experimented just like he did with the booze, I did with the food. I had all the knowledge in my head. For 25 years, I tried to control it. I, you know, ate, I didn't eat, I experienced a little bulimia here, anorexia. I would put half as much sugar into whatever I was baking, and maybe I could only, then you'll cut the calories, and I go back and forth thinking, well, there's not as much of this, and I go back and forth and back and forth. It was crazy, the mental obsession that I did not understand. And uh, even though being abstinent for many, almost 30 years, it's by the grace of God, I don't take any credit. I give it to this program and my higher power for, uh, you know, for leading me to the big book to, to know what the allergy is, was, and the mental obsession, and, and um, but there have been few times over the years, I'm, you know, my mind goes, I wonder what would happen if I went, just, if I just did this, you know, it's the mental obsession. I wonder what would happen. Well, I know what's going to happen. I hear it on this bridge every single morning when I get on the, on the bridge. What happens when people go and they just say, only one of these things I can have just, I can handle it, you know, and I need to be reminded of this. I have a disease, and it's, it's, it's a life in there, but I need to be spiritually fit and use my spiritual tools and, and just to be here with all of you and just to be grateful and, and, and just to give it away to help others. Thank you, and I pass. And thank you, Vasa O. And good morning, Kathy Kay. Thank you, Santa, for your service. This is Kathy Kay, recovered from Boston. And I just, um, I love this story. It is so uh, clear about what the nature of our disease is. The italics were always uh, prompted to study the italics carefully. Um, And here it says, Uh, He had much knowledge about himself as an alcoholic, yet all reasons for not drinking were easily pushed aside. And this um, really shows the mental obsession and the mental aspect of our twofold disease. You know, for years I thought that my problem was a physical allergy, and I really did not grasp the fact that my mind could easily be twisted without having any of the allergic foods in my body. And it wasn't until I started to rely on my higher power uh, and ask that he save me from the mental obsession and keep me away from the first bite that I began to experience consistency in my abstinence. So... um, You know, today I am quite sure that all the self-knowledge that I have and will continue to develop is not sufficient. I need my higher power 
to prevent that twisted thinking that would always lead me back um, to that first bite, just the way Jim experienced here. And with that, I pass. And thank you, Kathy Kay. And good morning, Mary P. Good morning, Santa. Did you call me? This is Mary B. Yes, I did. Thank you, Mary I was unmuting. Thank you for your service. And this is Mary B., gratefully, gratefully recovered from Central California and Arizona today. And I want to talk about the foolish idea and an experience that I had. I had been in OA about 15 years. This was in the late 70s. And I was in a relapse. And I had had the foolish idea that if I limited my binges to foods without sugar, that I would be able to stop more uh, quickly or easily. And so I was just binging like crazy on very high fat foods and, um, and getting to the sugar anyway. So one evening I was in my office getting ready to go home and I knew I was going to binge that night. I just knew it. And I thought to myself, I'm going to skip that sugar-free stuff. I'm going to go right for it. I'm going into the market next door and I'm going to buy that thing that I will have just one and that will satisfy me and I'm going to skip all that other stuff So I did. I went into the market, and I put a couple of things into my basket. I think it was bread and milk so I wouldn't look so crazy. And I went directly to the bakery department. I didn't care what I spent because I had been throwing out a lot of money on that binge. And I looked and looked and looked, and when I thought I found it in the bakery department, I looked at it, and somehow I knew I could eat that whole thing, and I would have to go out and get more. So I moved on to the freezer, and I went through the same thing, looking at everything. That was my favorite section anyway. And I picked the very most expensive, wonderful. And again, I knew I would have to go get more if I ate all of it. And I went to the cookie department, and you know what's there. And, oh, my God, I I felt insane, and I was insane. I took my basket, and I went to a very quiet spot. And I said, God, if you want me to binge, you better show me what on. Otherwise, get me the hell out of here. And I left that basket, took my purse, and walked out of that market. And I learned two things from that experience. One, there is nothing, no it. There is nothing that is going to satisfy my need to binge. And two, I learned that there wasn't enough in that entire supermarket to fill that hole that I was trying to fill up. And I also learned that there is no higher power in that food. And uh, that was a wonderful lesson for me. Uh, I wish it had been the last time I ever binged, but it wasn't. I don't remember what I did after that. Just a reminder. Yes, thank you, dear. I will end with I am so grateful to be 10 years abstinent and in this program. 
recovered today. Thank you for the opportunity to share. And thank you, Mary B. And good morning, Tina S. Good morning, Santa. Thanks so much for your service. Um, Tina S., compulsive eater, anorexic from Florida. And, you know, uh, this part of the big book is a great definition of insanity, you know, at its best. And the definition I always love is that, you know, doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. And that's just what I had done for many, many years. And, you know, and then it talks about the mental obsession. You know, it won't hurt me this time. You know, this time it's going to be different. You know, then it says, Thus started one more journey to the asylum. And it doesn't say the first time Jim's going to the asylum, it says one more. You know, and, and then what I really like that it talks about that intense mental and physical suffering which drinking always caused him. Didn't say sometime, always. And that was my experience. You know, from as far back as I can remember, every time I put my trigger foods in my body, I always wanted more. Whether I had more, that depended on what what was what was happening for me. You know, but I always wanted more. You know, and and you know all this, you know all the suffering, you know, and all the stuff that happened for me. You know, because I, you know, I, I it, by this time in the last, you know, few years of uh, my compulsive eating and anorexia and all that, you know, I really didn't have choices. You know, I, I, I spent lots of money. So, you know, I, I didn't live on my own and I had to live places where I, you know, I really chose to live, but live because people said, hey, you know, you could stay here and you know, almost lost my job, all that kind of stuff. And it didn't matter. You know, it really, really didn't matter. You know, the knowledge, you know, I knew for a long, long time that I was different when it came to food, you know, but I always... But, you know, it was always won over by the foolish idea that this time it's going to be different. And, you know, for me, thank you, God, the only difference I have ever found was a power greater than myself. That was the only difference. And today, by God's grace, one day at a time, no matter what happens today, I don't have to pick up the food, you know, because I have have a God in my life and I have people in my life and I have the 12 steps to keep me sober, abstinent, and sane today. So thanks, and I pass. And thank you, Tina S. And good morning, Lindsay B. Lindsay, we don't hear you if you're speaking. You're calling me. I'm Lindsay, L-I-N-G-Y-S. Lindsay S., thank you. Yes, I am. Thank you for correcting me. Go right ahead. Thank you very much. And I apologize. I know I'm on my cell phone. It's not ideal. I just really need to um, claim my seat today as a compulsive overeater. And I really relate to the mental obsession because I was there last night and um, and I overate on a food that I had convinced myself was absent because it didn't have sugar, and, you know, I wasn't absent on it, um, so that's not something that, that I can eat, but I can, and I do overeat on abstinent foods, and that's the mental obsession. Anyways, um, it, it helps me today be in a place of surrender and reliance on my higher power and, and willingness, and I really appreciate the opportunity to share that. Thank you, everyone. Um, have a good day. Okay. And thank you, Lindsay S. 
And those of you, if you're just joining us, we are on page 36, and we're commenting on the last paragraph of that page. And who else would like to comment for approximately three minutes on that paragraph? Reva P. Mark H. Kelly J. Mark Okay, this is who I have so far. I have Rita P, Nessa R, Mark H, and Melissa C. Anyone else? Kelly J. Kelly J? Yep. Okay, thank you. Reva P, good morning. Good morning. This is Reva P, Grateful, Recovered, Compulsive Overeater in Toronto. I'd like to share this morning about the word suddenly and the concept of uh, self-knowledge. Um, I used to think it was suddenly that I was doing a face plant in my binge foods. Um, And how did I get here this time? Sort of like that analogy of banging my hand on the bar. Um, But what this whole chapter and what the paragraphs before um, are teaching me is that it's not really suddenly. I think it's suddenly, but it says uh, very um, clearly that we reviewed with him carefully what had happened. And when I review carefully um, what had happened, um, each time it was my thinking that precipitated that insane logic that I'll just, you know, mix this with that, sweet with salty and balance it out and then it will be okay. Um, So the food thought is always preceded by something a little irritation, a resentment, a fear. And if I don't do the step work, and as it says, you know, he's abstinent, he's sober, um, and then he picks up. So it's not the physical allergy. It's that mental obsession where I ignore the little irritations, the resentments and the fears. And if I don't do the step work, all of a sudden, my best thinking is, let's just put the whiskey in the milk. And, you know, last night I went to bed and um, I realized I was suddenly, suddenly, it's so ironic, um, angry. And when I reviewed the day and did my 10th step um, and this morning, my morning meditation, I realized there were lots of things um, that I'm irritated or uh, fearful about and I need to do my step work today because otherwise suddenly my hand's on the fridge and I don't know how I got there. The last thing I want to share is relapse and the disease has this cycle of, you know, the thoughts that precipitate the the binge, but recovery is the same way. If I do the step work, um, it's not suddenly that people lose the weight. It's not suddenly that life flows and works out and all these blessings are brought into my life. It's as a result of working the steps and then those things um, happen to me. Uh, With that, I pass. And thank you, Reva P. And good morning, Nessa R. Hi, good morning. My name is Nessa R. I'm also recovered in Toronto, Canada. Um, I... uh, love the italics. All the reasons for not drinking were pushed, easily pushed aside in favor of the foolish idea that he could take the whiskey if only he mixed it with milk. Um, which is a blatant lie. He was lying to himself. And why was he lying to himself? Because he would have never drunk of the truth. 
um, the same way that I would never eat it on the truth, and that's the nature of the insanity that it leads us to believe lies. I, I used to consume tubs of Kraft peanut butter, but I never ate it on white bread with sugary jam. I ate it as a topping on apple slices and um, celery sticks. Um, it was a healthy snack, and hey, don't you know, I'm hungry, so this is a very healthy snack. It'll give me the energy, the protein, etc., that I need to get through the afternoon. Um, if I had said to myself, you know what, Nessa, let's go eat a whole tub of uh, peanut butter, I would have never done it. I would have never done it. You know, um, now I've been restored to sanity, and whenever I am tempted, because I am, um, the big book actually tells us that we will be tempted, uh, but we recoil from it as if from a hot flame. I tell myself the truth. I said, yeah, you know, it would be nice to have one of those, but Nessie, you've never been able to have one of those. You will be able you'll have to have, you know, two dozen of those. And when I tell myself the truth, I no longer want it, you know, in those rare instances where I am tempted. And that is the difference between insanity, acting, deciding and acting upon a lie, insanity, which is telling ourselves the truth. And that's why I'm living today. Thank you, God. Um, as a result of the spiritual awakening brought about by, by the steps. Um, and with that, I pass. Thank you. And thank you, Nessa R. And good morning, Mark H. Hi, I'm Mark, Mark H., and I am powerless over my allergens. Uh, I'm thinking about uh, the thought that he had and uh, what was wrong with it. Uh, some people have touched on it. Um, he uh, was proposing that milk in his stomach would somehow prevent the alcohol from crossing his membranes in his stomach and uh, get into his bloodstream, and which is uh, what it, you know the osmotic process of uh, materials crossing the membrane in the stomach into the blood and. Uh, you don't need to know that, but I didn't need to know that. But it's simply uh, uh, against common sense that we all sort of know. And uh, the, um, the thinking in a normal person when they overeat or drive too fast or do some other act that they normally would feel inhibited about, um, you can determine irrational. It's irrational thinking, but um, it elevates it in this case, and he describes it as insanity uh, in the next uh, couple paragraphs. Uh, and uh, I believe that's really what it was. And I had that state of mind, and all the rationalizations that have been spoken of uh, this morning also can crowd into my mind and displace uh, the rational thinking I have, and it's as if I'm running a temperature of 106, and I'm no longer... Uh, able to perceive a reality or to, uh, attend my behavior in a way that conforms to reality, which takes me to the last sentence in, in this uh, uh, chapter, which says that at certain times the alcoholic has no defense against uh, the first drink. His defense must come from a higher power. Okay. Thank you. And thank you, Mark H. And good morning, Melissa C. 
Hi. Good morning. Good morning, everyone. It's Melissa Sayer, recovered postal overeater in New York. And um, you know, when I first um, read this story years ago, um, I did not see how this would be at all. I thought, um, well, my God, he's going to drink, and of course he's going to get drunk. And you know, the effects with the alcohol are quicker often. Um, and, and I was still very stuck on um, the physical effects. And so the thought that I could get away with it, uh, you know, eating, overeating, it doesn't show up immediately, you know. And so when I was still so focused on um, weight and size, um, you know, I, I still kind of thought that there were times that I could get away with it. And yet, Really, when my disease just progressed, um, you know, yes, the weight and size was out of control, but my suffering was out of control. I was finally able to really see that this was me and that, um, you know, I had all the knowledge in the world about the nature of, of what happens to me when I put certain foods in my body extra, or any extra foods in my body and that it never, ever felt enough. And yet, I would fall prey to insane thinking. It's like food amnesia, food senility, that the thought would, you know, cross my mind. It seems sudden. And then, the, you know, that experiment of just a little, you know, um, for me, quickly became, oh, just this weekend, you know, the belief that somehow I could put this um, obsession away when it was convenient and take it out, you know. And so really what being in a recovered state has allowed me to do is to complete the sentence, you know. When the thought crossed my mind, um, this it would be really nice if I could have one. Yes, it's, well, you can't have one. You've never been able to have one. And the other thing is that... Um, yeah, it would be nice if I could have this followed by nothing fitting me, followed by depression, followed by, you know, uh, hopelessness, despair, physical pain. And being in a recovered state gives me the ability to see the truth and that this is insane. Thank you. With that, I'll pass. And thank you, Melissa C. And good morning, Kelly. Jay? Hi, this is Kelly. Um, I'm a compulsive overeater, and this is actually my first time sharing on this meeting, so I'm excited. And um, I had this experience um, of, of almost falling into this yesterday, which was surprising to me. Um, I have been, since I've gone through the steps, I, I haven't felt that same compulsion that I did over the food um, you know, the recoil from it is from a hot flame. I, I, you know, um, that's what I've been feeling. And, um, but yesterday I've been under, you know, a lot of stress and, you know, they always say that, you know, your, your disease is doing pushups. <laughs> and, and so here I am, um, dealing with this stress. Um, I got, um, food from this very healthy restaurant and I was reading on there, like what came with the food and, and um, I didn't see anything objectionable. And so I got my food to go. 
and I go to eat my food and I open it up and there's something really salty. Um, my total nemesis is sitting there staring me in the face and my hand touched it. And I had to say to myself, you know, I had to say a quick prayer, you know, God, I'm powerless over that food. You know, please remove that obsession. And, um, and, um, and it worked. And, um, you know, I, but I never would have done that before. I would have started the bargaining, you know, I, you know, the, oh, I can have one, maybe I'll have half, maybe, oh, you know, it came from this like super healthy restaurant, so it must be fine, you know, whatever ridiculous, you know, thing I came up with in my head to, to um, make it okay to, uh, to follow through. But had I not been, you know, through the steps and in this program and listening to this meeting every morning, you know, I never would have been able to, um, to do that. Um, But um, yeah, that was just, dealing with tremendous amounts of stress right now and being faced with that and being able to not pick it up is just that in and of itself is a complete, absolute miracle. And I'm so grateful that I didn't fall back into Jim's story, which I've lived for, I don't even know, 20 years, I guess. I don't know. Um, But that's been my life um, as long, as far back as I can remember. And to not do that today is just amazing and it made me realize after not doing it that I never I mean I've realized this before but it really drove home like I I don't have to do that and I never want to do that again and fall back into that same pattern which brought me so much misery and so much dysfunction in my life and while I have so much work to do ahead of me I know I'm on a much better path a more spiritual path and um, I'm just going to keep working hard to stay there so that's it thanks so much for letting me share and thank you Kelly J for sharing your experience strength and hope with us and please keep coming back okay we're going to move on to the next paragraph the top of page 37 that first paragraph which says whatever the precise definition of the word may be and we'll be reading through two paragraphs ending in all earnestness and sincerity, how could it have happened? And comments will be on both paragraphs. Can I now have Carrie H. to please begin reading? Yes, good morning. Carrie H., recovered compulsive overeater from Maine. Whatever the precise definition of the word may be, we call this plain insanity. How can such a lack of proportion of the ability to think straight be called anything else? You may think this is an extreme case, to us is not far-fetched, for this kind of thinking has been characteristic of every single one of us. We have sometimes reflected more than Jim did upon the consequences, but there was always a curious mental phenomenon that paralleled with our sound reasoning there inevitably ran some insanely trivial excuse for taking the first drink. Our sound reasoning failed to hold us in check. The insane idea went out. Next day we would ask ourselves in all earnesty and sincerity, how it could have happened. And I'm grateful to be on the line this morning, and um, I just want to focus on, in on our sound reason and fail to hold us in check, the insane idea went out. And myself, like Jim, you know, I really had loved Jim because I can identify in with him. I'm so much like him, you know, um, my mind, um, <laughs> like Jim, has been hij- hijacked by the thought time after time that um, that first 
that first bite, you know, is not going to hurt me. And, um, you know, and I just like to share an experience um, with you with how I identify. And with Jim, I I remember being abstinent for about nine months. And um, I was I, I had been um, a baker for 28 years in my employment. And every year they would have this um, seasonal green pistachio muffin that would come out, you know, once a year. And, um you know, and I just remember, you know, I had been around, you know, every kind of muffin, you know, for those three months because I was a baker. And I just remember that day, you know, um, that muffin was baked and um, it was green. And, you know, um, the lie, you know, what was the lie that I told myself? That it, it was a pistachio muffin, right? That it had a nut in it, that it had nuts in it. And nuts are abstinent. And, um well, wrong, um, you know, I ate that muffin and, you know, it took me to a five-year binge with that muffin because my truth was, you know, if it looks like a muffin, smells like a muffin, tastes like a muffin, it's a muffin. And my second truth, it never had any nuts in it. And, you know, it was just, it was just the name of the name of the color of that muffin. And third, you know, nuts are not part of my, my food plan. So, um, I so totally identify in with Jim and, you know, who in their right mind would pick up again, knowing full well that they're unable to control it once they start. And, uh, you know, what same person would pick up again, knowing full well the consequences that, you know, would always end up in terrible circumstances. And, you know, the answer to both questions is for someone like me um, that would pick up and, both circumstances, and this is, you know, this is why I'm insane. And, you know, the word insanity is, you know, thinking of having an unsound mind showing bad judgment, you know. So um, I totally identify in with Jim, you know, my sound reason it always failed to keep me in check because the insanity of that first bite is always more powerful than my best thinking. And um, I'm so grateful that I know my truth today, and my truth is that that first bite is what's always going to set off the phenomenon of craving. And um, I need something in between me and that thought and the action to, um, you know, to stay away from this first thought. So thanks for letting me share, and with that, I'll pass. And thank you, Terry H. And who would like to comment for approximately three minutes on those on what was just read? Jenny Larry. Elaine B. Barbara Elaine B. Jenny L. Elaine B. Okay, this is who I heard. Um, I heard Janice, but I didn't get the initial of the last name. Larry K. Isaiah and Elaine B. Anyone else? Monica. Barbara B. I heard Monica. Jenny B. L. I heard Barbara B. Okay, we'll go with this. Good morning, Janice. Well, good morning. Good morning. My name is Janice M., and I am a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. Boy, do I love these paragraphs. Oh, boy, oh, boy. Okay, I'm going to just focus on the characteristic of every single one of us in that that, uh, second paragraph. Every single one of us. Well, they're talking about alcoholics. We are compulsive overeaters, so that means that every single one of us that 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 says that we're that I am a compulsive overeater has this insane thinking, and that's what separates me from a normal eater. A normal eater 
you know, has the allergy of the body, and they overeat once in a while, and they say, oh, you know, I ate too much yesterday. I think that, you know, I'm not going to have that. Whereas me, as a compulsive overeater, I'm just getting started, you say, because the allergy, of course, keeps going. But the more important part of my problem is the insanity is the obsession of the mind. You know, that's why a gastric bypass does not work for me, which I never had anyway because I was too afraid. But that's why it would never work for me, a compulsive overeater, because that that takes care of my physical allergy, whereas I have a mental obsession, and I have found through my recovered state that the only mental bypass for me is found through a higher power who is my physician, and that's found through the 12 steps. So if you have, a, you know, for those that are real compulsive overeaters like me, we have to, we have to, have to, have to, it's a must that we uh, look at our foolishness, uh, the, you know, the, the obsession of the mind. You know, Bill is, Bill is something. He, 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 he writes the same thing with different words, and I found about eight of them meaning the same thing for insanity. One was the foolish idea. <laughs> That's insane. Foolish idea. I mean, because if you're in sound and in, in good judgment, you, you don't do a foolish thing like I would do. Like I would say, I'm only going to buy, you know, I'll buy 12 donuts and I'll put six away. But that mental obsession is always in that freezer, you see, whereas a normal eater probably forget about them. But not me. No matter where I went in the house or if I went out, I'd still know they were in the freezer. So that's the inability, the lack of control, the powerlessness to to think straight. I, you see, this is the difference between between me because I have that insane thinking, and only the um, embarkment, the implementation of these twelve steps, will give me a mental bypass. So that power will not will restore me, will bring me back to sane thinking. And with that, I pass. And thank you, Janice M. And good morning, Larry K. Good morning, Santa. Larry K. Recovered compulsive overeater from Chicago. So um, I'm gonna I'm gonna focus on the word insanity. Um, it, that word is is pretty emotionally charged, and, and particularly because it carries with it this notion that one is crazy. You know, they're out of their mind. They're they're mad maybe even psychotic or dangerous, you know. But see, for us, uh, you know, for most of us, I, I think the definition that carries the most weight here is simply that we're prone to foolishness or, or irrational behavior in the face of strong evidence to the contrary. So, you know, for me, I lacked proportion, like it said, you know, the ability to think straight. I was either, you know, catastrophizing something or I was minimizing something. And, you know, do some people face a, a severe mental illness that, that far surpasses an allergy of the body and obsession of the mind? Sure. You know, um, certainly. Yet, yet the big book even then reminds us on page 58 that, that, are, that there are those two who suffer from grave emotional and mental disorders, but many of them do recover if they have the capacity to be honest. And here's the problem, though. The problem is, is to the extent that a person reads step one, you know, that, that, that fundamental idea of powerless, powerlessness and unmanageability and cannot accept these precepts, 
You know, unfortunately, they'll, they'll never have, uh, you know, the, 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 it'll be difficult for them, as it was for me, working the rest of the steps with the proper humility required to experience a, a spiritual change. And why is that? Well, well, they never took step one. You know, and I might suggest that some of us, that we, we haven't taken a step one. I know I didn't. I thought I did. I mean, I, I, that food was too much for me to handle. And the other, the other thing is, is, yeah, there was some unmanageability in my life, but I hadn't truly accepted it and taken that step perfectly to where I would have the humility and the wherewithal to work the remainder of these steps sufficiently with the sufficient humility required in which to have this complete spiritual transformation, this complete personality change. Because, you know, no acceptance, you know, of these precepts, there's not going to be recovery. All there's going to be is, I mean, anybody can hold their breath underwater for a while. Some of us can hold our breath pretty darn long. There's probably a few on the line that can hold hold their breath underwater for a long time. But, but, you know, what for me, I remained stark, raving, abstinent. So I had to accept this notion of insanity, this irrationality. With that, I'll pass. Thanks. And thank you, Larry Kay. Good morning, Leah M. Good morning. Thanks so much, Santa. Whatever the precise definition of the word may be, we call this plain insanity. Uh, always a curious mental phenomenon that parallel with our sound reasoning, there inevitably ran some insanely trivial excuse for taking the first drink. I mean, again, Chapter 3 is pounding home that the greater crux of the illness is the obsession of the mind, that yes, the allergy of the body is a bad problem. It is a very bad problem to have, but I've got a much worse problem And that problem is within my mind because all action is born in thought. You know, the the brownies aren't catapulting off the counter and in into you know down my throat uh, unless I'm making a decision or succumbing uh, to that first bite. And and that's what I needed to understand. I mean, we often hear in OA that our problem is physical, emotional, and spiritual. But the big book doesn't use the word emotional. You see the mental phenomenon. The big book doesn't use the word emotional to describe my problem. It uses the word mental. That's because my reasons for returning to the food were just simply insane. You know, were just simply insane. I mean, yes, it could have been a bad day. And yes, my feelings could have been hurt, you know, throughout the day. And maybe it was raining outside, etc. But I also picked up, you know, when things were great, you know, when things were going my way. Um, you know, so the insanity, again, you know, it means that my mind is less than whole. I cannot see the truth, and I make decisions based on lies. I can't see the truth. I don't want to see the truth that I have this allergy of the body. I don't want to see that truth. You know, so sanity is described as wholeness of mind, a complete mind, a mind that can see the whole truth and make decisions based on that truth. So because of the 12-step process and because my mind's been rearranged, I no longer want that food. I recoil as if from a hot flame because I see with all my mind's capacity, with the wholeness and completeness of my mind, that those foods are 
dangerous. Those foods, I don't want it. It's as if I'm recoiling from a from a hot flame. So again, the whole problem, my problem, a twofold problem: allergy of the body, obsession of the mind. If I have an obsession, then I can't keep from picking up that first bite because of my mind, and I can't eat those substances safely because of the allergy of my body. So my mind makes me start compulsively overeating, and then my body won't let me stop. But what if, what if you can't drink safely because of allergy of your body, but you can't quit, you know, eating compulsively overeating because of your mind, then you're powerless over compulsive overeating. Hence the necessity to understand the true uh, nature of the illness. And that abstinence is like putting a Band-Aid on a fatal wound. It's, the treatment is not adequate for the condition. It's going to take the 12 steps to drive out that obsession of the mind and restore me to sanity. And that's exactly what happened. And with that, I pass. Thank you. And thank you, Leah M. And Elaine B., good morning to you. Good morning, Santa H. Thank you for your service today. I am Elaine B., a recovered compulsive overeater in Massachusetts who did not know, (laughs) just did not know, I had to learn by being beat up side of the head, dragged around the street, um, stomped on a bit by this disease. So, you know, I came into the rooms with, with a motivation of uh, not, not wearing a wedding gown that was going to be size 24. And I grabbed hold of the tools and I grabbed hold of a food plan and I grabbed hold of my, my upcoming change in life. And, uh, you know, I, I, I did well. I did well for, for, for a while and grabbed hold of the fellowship and you know I'm so grateful but I just didn't know I just didn't know I had made a beginning and just like uh, Fred all went well for a while but I had failed to enlarge my spiritual life so you know I remember being in one of my first meetings and seeing this man sitting in the front and he was over 300 pounds maybe 400 and he said you know it all started one day when I thought I could have some popcorn and it's a funny thing that that the hook that that dragged me out that I denied that you know well that was him but this is me I can get away with this and when my sponsor bristled I would just say oh I had vegetables <laughs> unbelievable the power of this cunning powerful baffling disease and finally it brought me to the place where I just said my self knowledge is enough I know what to do I can handle this food plan I'm going to go out it was literally weeks before I was on my knees. It was weeks before I I just couldn't get up in the morning without thinking about how am I going to get that taste? What am I going to do? I was driven to the gates of hell very quickly, prey to misery and depression, uh, infuriating my husband and really just being so dull and so so sick that I it just didn't get I just didn't get it I just didn't get it and I thought I knew the solution was in the rooms I had always known it but I hadn't found it there after nine years of going and so um, I just kept going back 90 meetings 90 days added some AA meetings and um, and on the 45th day somebody handed me the phone number of a meeting and I tuned in that day and what was the name of the meeting they call this plane insanity and on that meeting I heard what the doctor's opinion talks about, this obsession of the body, um, this allergy of the body and the obsession of the mind, and finally the light began to dawn on me, and I was able to grab onto something new. I was able to grab on these, these, um, these steps, 
and begin to work them with the desperation of a dying man. And now it's been over two years, and I can tell you, you know, the food doesn't have me. As long as I do maintain and continue to stay and enlarge my spiritual life, and you can do it too with that I pass. And thank you, Elaine B. Wow, that time went by fast. We have come to the end of our meeting. Monica T. and Barbara B., please join us for the second unrecorded hour. We'd love to hear what you have to share. And thank you to everyone who has shared this morning. And the rest of you, please join us as well for the second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. We will now close with a reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the Serenity Prayer. Will Rachel N.M. please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Until then. Good morning. This is Rachel N.M. I'm a grateful, recovered, compulsive reader and anorexic from Ohio. Very good meeting this morning. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.